Please be seated. So today, I want to talk about money. We don't talk about money in church a whole lot, but I think it's something I want to talk about. But first I want to tell you a story about um, the time I visited a mosque. So years ago, I was in college, and I was taking a world religions course, and one of the assignments was to go to a religious service that would be unfamiliar to you. And it just so happened that in the cubicle next to mine was a guy named Rami, who was a very devout Muslim. And it was the season of Ramadan, which is the, I don't know, sort of like Christmas and Easter all wrapped up together for our Muslim uh, brothers and sisters. And, uh, and it's a time when, for Muslims, they, they fast, right? So they have to not eat between sunrise and sunset. And Ramadan, of course, moves through the year because it follows a lunar calendar. So if Ramadan happens in the summer, you have a long day of fasting. But if it happens in the winter, it's a much shorter day of fasting. And I wanted to be respectful of this community that I was going to be joining in their worship. So I decided to, to fast as well on the day that I was going to go with Rami. And thankfully, it was in the winter, so it wasn't like, you know, too unbearable. And... Because as you can tell, I don't do a lot of fasting. And uh, at any rate, uh, so I went to the mosque. And I don't know if you've ever been to a mosque, but it had the most beautiful bathroom I've ever been in. And because to enter the mosque, you have to take off your shoes and your socks. And you have to wash your hands and your feet before you go in. And so they had this beautiful bathroom with like this fountain in the middle with sort of seats around it where you could sort of, you know, wash your hands and your feet. It was, it was really fantastic. At any rate... Um, so you go into the mosque, and um, this was a fairly new and modern place, so they had like prayer carpet, carpet. Um, instead of like having like a little rug, because when Muslims pray, they have like a prayer rug. So, but instead of having your own individual rug, they had like uh, patterns marked out on the carpet of the floor. So I, I found a pattern kind of in the back where you go when you're, you're visiting, and, and I, I sat there, well, I... You don't really sit, there's no seats. But I stood there with Rami, my friend, and we did the whole, you know, service. And, and then the imam got up for the sermon, and he gave a, a, a beautiful sermon in Arabic. Um, and then he stood up, he sat down, then he stood up again, and he gave the whole sermon one more time, this time in English, because most of the people at the mosque were English speakers anyway. And it just so happened that just like us, because many of you probably received letters from the office mentioning that we're beginning our stewardship season, where we're planning sort of our, our financial plans for the next year. At the mosque, it was stewardship season. And so the imam got up and he said, brothers, because it's only men at the mosque, unfortunately. All the, the women are like somewhere locked away in a different room. So he says, brothers... There are about 400 of you who have been coming to Friday prayers, which I give thanks for. He said, but only about 100 of you are supporting the work of the mosque. He said, you know, we, we have a lot of challenges. This was not too long after 9-11, so they were feeling some, some pressures. He says, you know, we've been doing this, and we're doing this work, and we're doing this work, and we're doing that. And, you know, we're doing all these things. He said, um, you know, but I need all of you to support the work of the mosque. He said, so on your way out, before you can leave today, you need to tell the usher when you can have your $2,500. And I thought to myself, what a fantastic stewardship plan. <laughs> so today, no, no. We don't work that way, clearly. Um, but 
I was, one of the things that really struck me about this was their sort of forthrightness about it. And so I vowed to myself that, that in my life of faith, that money needed to be something that was a part of it. And it's not the center of faith, but, you know, we live in a world where money is kind of a big deal, right? And our interactions with it shape a whole lot of the choices we make in our lives. It determines the place we live. It determines the kind of job we take. It determines the kind of education we can give ourselves. Money is kind of important to us. And if we are going to have a faith life that is focused on Jesus and how we live in the world, our money needs to become a part of the way we live our faith. And the truth is, you know, it's not a lot of fun to give money to the church when it's paying the electric bill or it's going to the garbage company, or it's paying the priest, which I give thanks for, but... <laughs> you know, but it's not, it doesn't feel, I don't know, maybe it feels good to you, but it doesn't really, it's not like fun, you know? It's not, uh, you know, buying a gift for someone who really needs it, or, or you know, supplying money to the, the food pantry. It just doesn't feel the same, I think, sometimes. But the truth is that when you give money to the church, it doesn't go to pay the electric bill. It doesn't go to pay the garbage. I mean, yeah, it, it does go there. But what you're really paying for is the opportunity for Christ to be present in the world. That this space that we, we occupy, that we worship in, that we meet in, that we do so many things in, is a, is a very real and manifest symbol of our commitment as God's people, as Christ's commitment to be present in this community, right? We, people know it's a church, and you would be surprised at the number of people who pass through our doors each week. Hundreds of people come here. Now, clearly not all of them are coming for worship services or to meet with me or to do other work of the church, but they come through our doors and they recognize that this is a safe place, a place that is a resource to their community. We have a, a school and, and that school has, you should be here on a school day. There are so many kids and it is so loud. My son is one of them, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Um, but it, it is a joy to hear their voices, to hear the energy that they bring, and to know that, that here in this place that you have provided, they're, they're learning things. They're, they're being kept safe. They get to, to play, and they get to learn, and they sit around, and my son, he's three, he's learning numbers and letters. He counts one, two, three, six. Well, you know, <laughs> he'll get it, he'll get it. But we, we host Girl Scouts three nights a week. You know, three nights a week we have a Girl Scout troops meeting here. And so there are young women, young girls, who come and here, in this space, they learn that they are worthy, that they have dignity, and that there should be nothing in this world that stands in the way of their living into their full potential. That misogyny and sexism and all of the ways that we, we keep women from fulfilling their potential here, through the Girl Scouts, they learn that that's not the way it should be that they should not accept that and stand for it, that they should claim their place as full participants in life. We provide that space for them. They learn that here. 
And there are people who come for, for, there's a woman who comes every Tuesday and prays. She works in one of the doctor's offices down the road. And there are lots of people like that who come in and out of our building who encounter us in lots of different ways. And so what we do here is important. It's important for us, but it's important for our community. Does anyone know what the meaning of the word liturgy is? Its original meaning? I mean, it's, it's what we call the service, right? Uh, a liturgy. It's the, it's the form of service that we follow from, from the opening acclamation until the dismissal. That's liturgy. Well, back in the old days, like the Roman Empire, um, there were like really rich people who had like all of the resources. And of course, people had to pay taxes, but kind of like really rich people today, they had lots of ways of getting around paying their taxes. And so, so government often found itself short of funds to accomplish its goals. And so uh, what people would do, the really rich people, would, they would say, well, I will, I will pay for the new aqueduct that we need, you know, for this neighborhood. Or I will, I will pay to have this street repaved. Or, or I will pay to build this temple to Zeus. Or I guess it wasn't Zeus, Jupiter, right? That's the Roman guy. But they would pay for public infrastructure from their own money. And that, that payment, that payment for a public good out of private funds, that's a liturgy. That's the root meaning of the word. That a liturgy is something that we do from our resources that benefits the whole community. And so we do liturgy here on Sunday morning and on Wednesday morning, right? We, we do the worship service and we offer prayers for the wider world. It's not just about us, but we seek to open ourselves up and that we come to worship and we participate in the sacrament so that we might be empowered and emboldened to take Christ's love into the world. So literally what we do here in worship is not meant solely for us, but for the world in the community that surrounds us. In the same way, this whole building, this whole complex that we occupy is a kind of liturgy. We, some of you yourselves and, and people who are no longer with us, built and maintained this space so that it could be a benefit for the whole community. That, that when we, we give and we support this church, right, when we support the parish, we aren't giving so that we can meet the electric bill or pay the insurance or make sure the garbage gets hauled away. Those aren't the end. Those are the means to the end. Because the end of what, what we give for, what we exist for, what our mission is, is to be the presence of God in this neighborhood, in this community. That we are called as God's people in this place and this time to show forth God's love. So that people, as they drive by, they hopefully get some sense that this place stands as a symbol of hope in a world that is sort of sorely lacking in it at the moment. When we look at the parable of the, of the bridesmaids, and we are reminded that of that hour and day when the bridegroom, the Lord, might come is unknown to us, and we are called to be ready. That as a community, that's kind of our, our purpose, is to be ready. And the thing is, is that 
not only do we not know the time or the place of the Lord's coming into our lives, we also don't know the ways that our actions and our choices are the coming of the Lord in someone else's lives. Because that's what it really means to be a Christian, is to, is to embody God. I mean, we are together the body of Christ. We, we are Christ. The only work that Christ gets done in this world is the work that we do. And so we are called on to do that. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. This is this kind of, it was one of those things that, uh, uh, interesting, you know, sort of coincidences that sort of happen and come together that maybe aren't so coincidental. This morning at about 7.30 in the morning before 8 o'clock service, I was here, Bob Schaefer was here, and I think Allison Conley from the Altar Guild was here. And this woman walks into church. I'm like, well, she's a little early uh, for, for church. And she walks in here and uh, she walks straight to the mitten tree over here and she puts some things on it. And then she turns around and starts to walk out. So I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name's John. Her name was Marie. And she said, um, my dad used to go here. Bob Cudsworth? She goes, he died about four years ago. And um, I was thinking of him and, and I knew you had the mitten tree so I, I just wanted to bring some things in. So, so her, her dad, who was a part of this community and helped build this space, and in some sort of way, his daughter still knows that this is the place where the work of the Lord happens. And that she knew this was the place where she could come and she could remember her beloved father and the place that was important to him, but also to continue that ministry that he was a part of in his life and to contribute to our mitten tree. And things like that happen all the time. People pass through here who have connections. I run into people in the community that have connections that, that we may not be aware of, whose, whose interactions with us and the Lord are, are unknown to us and unexpected, and yet still deeply moving and powerful. And ultimately, it's that encounter with Christ that is what your money pays for. We use it for lots of things, but ultimately, that is what it accomplishes. Amen.